Uh, Let's just pray as we open the Lord's word. Father, thank you for all that you're doing and the way (coughs) that you are working and moving. And thank you, Lord, for that terrific example of kingdom and for the way that uh, you are revealing yourself and moving. And Lord, we pray as we look at your word and move towards communion that you will speak to us clearly and powerfully by your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been uh, working our way through uh, the Lord's Prayer. And today, really what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is thy kingdom come. Now we started off, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we lingered on the very nature of the Father God. I linked it in two sermons. First of all, the Father God in Scripture was the word Father in this sense was first used in the book of Exodus talking about the liberation of God's people. And there the Lord said, let my son go. Let my people go. And it was the first powerful indication in Scripture that God viewed himself as a father and we are his children. And as a father, he liberates us. He sets us free from Egypt into the promised land. You know, I want to remind you this morning that you are a liberated people. That you are a forgiven people. That we are a people that have gone from the slavery of Egypt where we felt like we've been trying to make bricks with no straw, which is very hard. We felt like we've been trying to do that. And one day a great liberator came. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he liberated us from Egypt. He took us through to the promised land and said, you are my children. I am your liberating father. Maybe even this morning you're thinking, I need some liberation. My life is, is, is struggling. Our Father speaks of Abba Father, which speaks of child and that relationship between a father and between a son, a daughter, a close, intimate, powerful relationship. I went skiing yesterday with my 11-year-old boy, Josiah. I love to do that, and, and he's got to that age now when he wants to jump everything as high as possible. And so, um, so we were finding spots, which of course is Tellus Park, where you get these massive jumps. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to do this jump, and he gets ready, and I, I get down in position, and he goes as fast as he could, but he misjudged this particular jump. He thought it was a small one, but it was a large one. He thought he might fly through the air about, you know, a couple of feet. But on this one, as he took off, he suddenly realized, I've jumped the wrong one, and it was three meters in the air. Do you know what I heard come out of his mouth? Dad! <laughs> and he landed, bush! And his, his, um, he kept his skis on and he fell backwards and kept skiing on his back and his skis, which is it's quite, quite tricky and, and takes a lot of skill. I'll let you know that as his um, poles went flying in every direction. But instantly what came out of his mouth was, Dad! 
And instantly what comes out of our lives is Abba Father. The prayer is about an intimacy, a closeness that you are not an orphan. You see, an orphan has to struggle to find provision every day. But a child of God knows that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will provide for him. A Orphan mindset is when we do not believe that God is going to protect us and the world is a dangerous place, but we know that we can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are sons, we are daughters by which we cry, Abba, Father. But we are told to pray this, this petition. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. This is critical. Because the very nature of being a Christian and Jesus and in the Gospels it mentions the kingdom of God or Matthew's Gospel, the king of heaven, 162 times. So this is pretty important. Before in the Old Testament they talked about a kingdom to come and that God would judge. But here suddenly in the New Testament we receive a picture that the kingdom of God has arrived. And it says there in Mark chapter 1, he came preaching the repentance and preaching the kingdom of God. So what is this kingdom of God? Because it's pretty important. Well, kingship, we understand kingship, don't we? Well, not as much as we would 400 years ago, or 500 years ago, or 2,000 years ago. Because when you had a king, the kind of king that you had clearly reflected the kind of life that you were going to have. You see, you look back in history and where there were good kings and great kings, it was blessed. Josiah was a great king. A God, a God moved and used that young boy to open up the temple, to read the word of God, and the nation was blessed. But when there was an evil king, there was a problem. And if you read the book of Kings, you know that it's a little bit like playing table tennis. The ball's going backwards and forwards, and then there's a good king, and God blessed. And then there was a sinful king. Whoa, it went wrong. And then there's a good king. Hooray! And then they got worse and worse and worse because the kind of king you live under sets the tone of the life that you live. You look at great kings like if you're into English history like Alfred the Great, a great king, a great British king, a Saxon king from the line of kings from Germany who came and they conquered Britain in about, I don't know, about 500 AD. And Alfred the Great in 850 was known as a great king of Wessex who united the British Isles and brought Christianity and, and wanted to convert every Swedish, Denmark, Norseman, every invading Viking. He wanted to fight them or convert them. And, and he was known as Alfred the Great. And they said when you lived under Alfred the Great, it was a, it was a blessing because he built churches and cathedrals. He's the only British king that has the word great in front of his word. There's no other. I mean, we don't have great Elizabeth and definitely not great Charles, and we have all of these ideas of kingship. But kingship comes down to, to this idea. 
that when you have a king, he has authority, he has priorities, and he's there to change and to make a difference. When you pray, our Father who art in heaven, what you and I are praying is, our Father, bring your rule. Our Father, I choose that my life is under and completely under the rulership of of God. I want his rule in every area of my life. I want him to work. I want your kingdom to come. I want your kingdom to reign. And we are in what we call, in, in, really, in between. There is what Jesus achieved, and there will be the coming of the full recognition of the kingdom of God. And we're in this in-between world where Christ has won the battle And we are his representatives as kingdom people living in this world. Let me tell you, there is a lot of theological debate about what the kingdom of God is. If you're from a Greek Orthodox background, simply the kingdom of God is the church itself. And Catholicism moves towards that. Whereas if you're from a more non-conformist background, the kingdom of God is God's reign on earth through his people as we live out the love and the presence and the kindness and the power and we model the kingdom of God in this world. We are kingdom people. But what does this mean practically? Between two worlds. And we know that God is a good God. He's a good king. We know that he flourishes. That when we engage in the kingdom of God, our marriages should flourish. Our families should flourish. Our life flourishes because we have a good God who cares for us. We have a loving God who is committed to us. We have a God that is with us. And when we invite the kingdom of God into our life, into our home, into our church, into our family, we're looking for the rule. And what we're really saying is in In this place, at this time, we only have one ruler and that ruler is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I like to see it a little bit like this. It's a little bit like colonisation. Now, colonisation is not a great term today. Of course not. Because where countries have gone and colonized, they have created often terrible injustice, pain, slavery, and agony to the people that have lived in those countries. Colonization is part of the human story. Whether it's the Romans, whether it's the Babylonians, whether it's the Greek, whether it's the Assyrians, whether it's the great Mongol empires, armies have moved People have captured lands and there they have colonised with their values. So if you go to Barbados, British Bahamas, let's say, you'll discover there in the British Bahamas that it's very British. Because there came a day when the British arrived and they took over those islands And they appointed, so you go there, like many other areas in the world, like if you go to South Africa or India, and and when I went to South Africa, everybody, you know, was sort of more British. They watched the same TV, 
They ate the same wondrous foods like custard. Custard's amazing, but, but you've just missed it. And, and we talk around about the same issues because it was colonised. But if you go to Cuba, Cuba was colonised by the Spanish. So they chase bulls around and they, they drink red wine and they... They, they have a Latin Spanish music. And if you go to Haiti, it was colonised by the French, right? But what you see by colonisation is that maybe in the British Bahamas, they like to drink tea. And it all feels very British. In Cuba, up until Castro, it was very Spanish. And the architecture and the feel. And in Haiti, it was very French. Vineyards and wine and cheese. Of course, it's changed. But that was, that was when they colonised. And I believe that the idea of the kingdom when Jesus came was that he was saying, I have come to this world to colonize this world with the heavenly principles and the power of of heaven itself to affect this dark world. And you and I, we are colonists. We are citizens. We are part of a great kingdom, but this is unseen. And this colony, this kingdom, what is it? It is the kingdom of God. So what we want to do is bring the, the heart, the practices, the authority, the presence of the kingdom of God into this world. And rather than cursing this world and enslaving this world like colonization did in so many de- negative ways, um, but we want to bring kingdom values that there where there are the homeless, as Wendy is spoken about, we plant churches, we support ministries, we create showers, and this is the kingdom of God colonizing a dark world with God's light. So wherever you are, you are an ambassador for Christ, representing the kingdom of God, and your job is to cultivate, that's where colonize the word, Greek word comes from, cultivate and colonize the principles of God's love, of God's mercy, of God's kindness, of social justice, of the gospel, of the power of Christ, that we are colonizing, developing the fruit, the fields of this world by the goodness of the kingdom of God. Wow. You're actually telling me that even though I'm in between worlds and one day a mighty city will land and God's glory will come and he will reign and the dead in Christ will rise and God will judge all things and make all things new and there Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day. This space in between, we are part of God's kingdom and as representatives, we are to cultivate and to grow kingdom principles. Now, Canada was a colony. The United States, of course, was seen as a colony. Not that they like it mentioned. But if you go to a colony, there's always a governor's mansion, isn't there? 
And there there is now a governor of Canada. And if you go to any other, there's a governor who is the representative of the head. Can I encourage you, taking this analogy a little farther, that we all have a governor. That the king came and won the victory and he went back to the headquarters, our Father who art in heaven. And who is seated at the right hand of God but Jesus Christ? So who is the governor who is enthroned, who is powerful, who is present right now in this world? Who is the governor who we follow? Who is the governor general who is present? The one who is the governor, the one who is the governor general is the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this world. So it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. We're not at the head where he is throned. And he was always, you know, the head. It was London or Madrid or Paris. But here the head is, he is throned on high. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our Lord God is enthroned and high in heaven. And we are here on this earth. And our guidance and our governor comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we are called... He says, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. And spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son. But what we realize is it talks about blessed are you. It says rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now. For you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For so their fathers did of the false prophets. So there seems to be in this scripture this idea that the kingdom of God is blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who are hungry, blessed are you who are weep, blessed are you who don't laugh. And then there's the other side, which is woe to you who are wealthy, woe to you who are full up, woe to you who laugh, woe to you who everybody likes. That's quite a party, isn't it? I mean, I look at this and Jesus goes, here are the four woes and here are the blessings. You are woe to you. And to be honest, I look at this and I kind of go, I quite like the woes. (laughs) And I shouldn't say that. I think you like the woes as well. Woe to you who are rich. Mm, That sounds pretty good. Woe to you 
who are full up. Well, I like to be full up. I like food, don't you? I like, oh, I had poutine at Big White yesterday with lots of gravy. Hallelujah. That wasn't a woe. That was a, that was bad for you. But woe to you who laugh. I like a laugh. <laughs> you know, I have to watch my humor. It's cheeky sometimes. I like a good laugh. I like to laugh with others. I like to tell a story that makes people laugh and go for it. And woe to you who are respected by lots of other people. Hooray! Who doesn't like to be liked? Who likes a good reputation? And on the other side, well, blessed are you in the kingdom of God who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Hmm. Blessed are you who mourn and weep. Okay. And blessed are you who people hate you. I'm getting a little confused here, Jesus. Because your kingdom sounds wonderful. I'm to cultivate your kingdom. I'm to bring kingdom values. But what is the kingdom really all about? What is this teaching us? It's teaching us about thrones. Because wherever there is a king, there is a throne. And it's what you worship and what you place as number one on your throne that makes all of the difference. See, God's not against wealth. God's not against being full. God's not against the glorious nature of laughter. God's not against good reputation, but what he's saying to you is woe to you in this kingdom that all of your life and all of you are and all of who you represent, all you care about is to have wealth and that is your throne, to have fullness and have feasting and that is your throne to have good times and that's it and that is what you worship or to be of such good reputation that your ego your narcissism your number one says I just love being loved he says woe to you because that's the kingdom of the world where you worship those thrones but blessed are you in God's kingdom Blessed are you when you realize how very poor you are and you come and say, I'm a broken, renegade sinner who is wretched and unredeemable by my own power. But Christ has saved me and redeemed me. Blessed are you when you recognize your own wretchedness but you recognize where salvation comes from. Blessed are you when all you want and hunger for is not just to have a full belly full of poutine, but you hunger because you want to be full of the presence of God at work in your life. Blessed are you because you hunger 
because you want his presence, because you want his power. Blessed are you because you see the pain on the streets as we've had illustrated and we've seen the difficulties in the world and we weep for this world because we are part of a different kingdom. But we see the pain in the thrones of the other kingdom. Imagine if all we worshipped was possessions, ego, celebrity. All we worshipped was the big laugh in life. All we worshipped was what we consumed. How miserable would our life be? Well, I think that pretty much sums up a lot of our media today. But blessed are you who all you want is Jesus. Blessed are you who seek first the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who seek to cultivate a hunger for God's presence in your life. Oh, it's a... It's a fascinating journey. Lift up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. When we realise how wretched we are in every area, we realise how much we need a saviour. And we've talked about the kingdom of woes, riches. The kingdom of blessed. But it comes down to this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, all of these thrones, all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So what we've got to learn to do is to pray the kingdom. I often pray the Lord's Prayer regularly for an hour. I break it down to six parts. And I get to this part, which is the second section. I'm ten minutes into my prayer time. And I start to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And practically, I start with myself. And I say, Lord, let your utter will and your reign and your kingdom be present in my life completely. Whatever that means, that's what I want. I want to welcome the will of God into my world. I want to cultivate the fruitfulness of the kingdom in my words, in my actions, in my involvement. I need your kingdom to come. Then I move on and I pray for my spouse. I pray for Michelle. 
I've done this for decades. I pray that the will of God will be done in my spouse's wife, that she will prosper in God, that she will know the headship and the glory of Jesus Christ, that she will know the presence of power, that she will be a woman of God. I move on and pray for Emily, for Jessica, for Josiah, for Bella, exactly the same, that their will of God will be done, that the reign of Christ will be there, that the lordship of Jesus will be on their lives. I move on and I pray for Willow Park Church, that in every aspect our church will be a church that has Jesus Christ as the functional lord of this place and that he is the king of kings. And I pray for the congregation that the will and the kingdom and the reign will rest and that we will cultivate kingdom principles and lifestyle and life. And I move on to our province and I pray for our city and our province that God's kingdom and will will come and move and work. I move on to Canada. I move on to the, pre- uh, to the prime minister. I pray, God, that thy kingdom would come. The business you run, pray that thy kingdom would come, thy will be done. Where you work in that that shop, or you work in that university, or you work in that factory, or you work in that hairdresser's, or you work in that care home. I don't know where you work or what you do, but you are an ambassador of Christ and you are called to cultivate the kingdom of God right there. With mercy, with peace, with presence, with his love. To pray that the gospel will be shared. To pray for his kingdom priorities to come, to pray that his kingdom would become deeper and more real to us, to pray through the lens and joy of knowing his kingdom will come.